team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to our Live Pal pregame show, Playoff Edition. I am Mike Graham, and will be joined shortly by my podcast partner, Josh Smith. The Hamilton Tiger Cats face the Montreal Alouettes today at Porcival Morrison Stadium in Montreal, with kickoff set for 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Nine degrees will be the temperature when the game begins, and winds will only reach a high of six kilometers per hour. So it appears weather will not be a factor in this one. A beautiful day. The Alouettes are the three and a half point favorites, as they should be. They had a better record than the Ticats at 11 and 7 and have beaten the Tabbies three times this year already. But it's playoff time, so you can throw all that regular season record and stats out the window because none of it matters now. Josh, my friend, how are we feeling? Are you excited for some playoff football? Uh, apparently we've lost Josh. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. He's coming back. My apologies. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty damn excited about some playoff football. You know, the Alouettes and the Tiger Cats have met up many times over the years recently. Uh, in the past 10 years, four times. And the Tiger Cats are 3-1 and one, uh, in that span. So we will bring Josh in now. Uh, Josh, are you excited for some playoff football, my friend? Yeah, for sure. Apologies about the technical snafu there with uh, with everything that went on, but I'm back. I'm ready to talk. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty pumped up. I, I tend to be a little more even keeled, I think, than you do. Come playoff time, I'm I'm kind of just praying that it's not a blowout, quite frankly. But the yeah. the way the day's gone this morning, uh, some good omens, I think, for our boys. I was I went for my uh, my morning my morning constitutional. Which uh, you know you don't you don't drop sixty pounds in seven months without having to put in a little bit of work. So go for a more, most days and uh, listen to some music. First song that pops on, Nas is he hate me now, which came out in nineteen ninety nine. It's a banger mm. of even if you're not a hip hop fan, the song is fantastic. But it's the year nineteen ninety nine comes out. It just felt like that's the first that popped up when I hit shuffle on the old on the old iPhone today. Feel, feel pretty good about this one. Starting to uh, get the juices flowing. We're about three hours from kickoff now. So it's starting, uh, starting to feel real. You can hate me now. All right. I won't, I won't sing it. I won't sing it. But uh, no. yes, I agree. A very good song. Um, actually, Nas was on tour. I forget with who uh, recently. It might have been Wu-Tang uh, that came through Edmonton. I, I should have checked him out because I... Oh, my really... God. Are you kidding? You didn't go to a Wu-Tang Nas? Oh, you're... Oh. I hate you. It might have been on a weekday, Josh. It might have been on a weekday. I think they were were probably in your neck of the woods too, my friend. Uh, I don't know. We don't tend to get a lot of hip-hop shows here in Hamilton. Well, you could have went to Toronto, though. Toronto's pretty close. 
Anyway. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I hate you now. You hate me now. Let's get into this game. All right. So let's get into the depth charts. And, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to go position group by position group, kind of compare the two teams and see who, who has the edge in certain spots. Uh, so let's start on the defensive side of the ball on the defensive line. The Hamilton Tiger Cats will be lining up with Jagera Davis, Casey Sales, Teddy Laurent, and Malik Carney. Um, they are also rolling with eight defensive linemen. Um, you know, two, they have backups in each position. So um, they're really loading up along that defensive line. An interesting uh, strategy, don't you think? Well, yeah, and the, there's players you didn't mention. Bennett, Dylan Wynn. Mohamed Diallo. Yeah, the guys behind him, yeah. That could Tremendous. be a starting defensive line itself. Yep, absolutely. So absolutely. the depth is incredible, has been incredible all year, but we've seen this group group struggle. We've seen them – I mean, they go out and get Jamal Davis, who asked for his release from the Alouettes, because this, this group had not been up to what we expected them at the start of the season. But it's playoff time. This is when Jagarit Davis, as, as big of a critic as I have been – of Jagarit Davis most of the season. He's his game has picked up the last few weeks. And this is when he kind of makes the most of that 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 you know, he gets paid to play in big games, and this is ten, tends to be when he picks up his play. So I'm expecting a big game for 56. And I, I really like the unit they're going with. I've liked it all year. It's been a bit of a disappointment, as I said, but I think come playoff time as we were here today, I I, I kind of like their chances of going up against what is when we get to talking about the offense. A little bit of a banged up Alouette's offensive line. So uh could be some they could make some hay in, in the pass rush game today. And the Montreal Alouettes will look like this. They have uh um I, my apologies if I'm not pronouncing this correctly. Ugak on the defensive end, uh Amando Sewell on the inside, Johnson on the inside, and Sean Lemon on the outside, the other uh side of that defensive line. Who do you think has the advantage here? The Thai Cats or the Alouettes? I hate to say it, but I think it's the Owls. That is a hell of a defensive front. I think people are kind of underrating. Like Mustafa Johnson is an all-star this year, in my opinion. Like he he was tremendous for Montreal. We know what Amondo C he's a little long in the tooth, but we know what Amondo Sewell can do. You're very familiar with him from his time out in Edmonton. And uh Sean Lemon just seems to continue to defy age. So it's it's both of these teams have really good defensive fronts, so it's going to be a big game for the offense. Whatever offensive line can keep their quarterback upright, probably going to win this football game. But I'm going to go slightly with the Alouettes, just just slightly. I really like the group that they have. I would agree with you with the if it was four on four, um, but with these you know eight guys lining up for the Tiger Cats yeah. and the the way that they can rotating guys that are like you said, the backups could be a starting unit in this league. So. I'm going to give it slightly to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but you're absolutely right. Though that starting four is is pretty tremendous for the Alouettes. Let's well, get and into don't the, don't don't yep. forget for the Owls though they also have Avery Ellis, and he's the guy that they'll rotate in with Sean Lemon. So he's pretty good too. It's, they're not as deep across the board as the Tiger Cats are, but these are two really really good defensive lines. Let's get into the linebackers now. Uh, the weak side linebacker for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, of course, will be Simone Lawrence, the middle linebacker. They have. Uh, give me the name here, Pavi. Oh, Pene Pavahi. Yeah, he's the Pavahi. star. But he plays. Pavahi's he plays the first. He plays first the first snap. snap, and then Jameer Thurman comes in. Jameer Thurman comes in after that, so um, don't be worried about that if you saw that. Uh, and then Chris Edwards on the strong side linebacker position. Uh, you know, it's been a very strong year all season long. Uh, 
anything to say about these guys when uh, heading into this game? What more can we say that we haven't already said all year on the yeah. pod? So it's a, it's a great group. Uh, Thurman is a turnover machine. He's a big play machine. Simone brings his A game in the playoffs. And if Chris Edwards can keep his head on straight, I think he could have a big game as well. Really like this group here too. For the Alouettes on the weak side, they'll have Beverett, uh, Middle, Sankey, and strong side Stubblefield. A, a pretty impressive unit as well, but I'm going to have to give it to the Ticats on this one. I'm going the other way on this, man. I think the Alouette, like Tyrese Beverett, former Ticat, I think I'm pretty certain he was the defensive player of the year for the Alouettes. Probably deserved more love for the league or the East Division award. Sankey's coming in. He's he's kind of solidified the middle of that defense there. And Stubblefield has been arguably the best rookie in the league this year. It's again, it, with both so far, both the unit that we've talked about, it's, it's a wash. Like if we were going to go like a minus B plus territory, I think they're both pretty, pretty darn equal. I know the Ticats have the bigger names. I know we're more familiar with who they have, but I, I can't sleep on the Alouettes linebacking court. It's very talented as well. So, so far it, which is why these two teams are playing this week. I know the records don't really indicate that these two teams are necessarily close. The Owls won three games this year, but talent for talent, very, very tight matchups on both so far. Now we move on to the secondary. The Hamilton Tiger Cats will line up like this on the boundary side cornerback position. It'll be Will Sunderland. Uh, the boundary side halfback will be George Jr. The free safety will be Caston Tonis. Uh, on the field side, it'll be halfback Lawson and cornerback Richard Leonard. The, you know, this has been a question mark all season long for the Tiger Cats, the secondary. There's some young guys in there. There's some there's some veteran guys in there. How are you feeling about the secondary going into this game? Uh, it's, it's my biggest concern, probably on yeah. the entire team, quite honestly. it's yeah. They're starting three first-year players. Now, I know Will Sunderland, and I've, I've, I've seen your comments on Twitter. Uh, yes, I know Will Sunderland was with the team last year. I know he played a game with them at the end of the season, but he's essentially a rookie in the CFL. He's played a handful of games even this year. He ha- doesn't even have a season's worth of, of games played under his belt, so I consider that to be a rookie, even though he's not technically a rookie. Uh, Montreal's got, if, if again, if the offensive line for the Owls holds up and Fajardo has time and has a clean pocket, the Owls have a talented group of receivers. Now, Richard Leonard's going to lock down that field side, no problem. Getting him back is a big boost to this to this defense. So it's nice to see him back there, but, and Katz and Tonus is going to do what Katz and Tonus does. If he can come up with a couple of interceptions or, or for a couple of big hits that, that cause completions to be incompletions, like that could be sort of something that swings this game. But I just, I look at that secondary and with Sunderland, with George Jr. Who's been incredible, who I don't think got enough. And I, I put this on us as well for not talking about it. I don't think he got enough talk about being this team's rookie of the year. And then Lawson, who's going to be playing that, that field side, halfback spot which is that's been a problem area for this team this year even even when uh everyone was healthy so it's it's a it's a it's a tough matchup it's a it's a tough matchup no doubt now for the alouettes at the boundary side cornerback they have ruffin boundary side halfback sutton uh the safety is decroix uh the field side halfback is evans and uh, the field side corner is ento I'm gonna to have to give this to the to the Montreal Alouettes. They've been a pretty impressive unit all season long. Yeah, Mark Antoine Decroix and Siante Evans. We know what, how good they are. I will say though that I do think those corners. Um, I think it's uh, KB and Ento, and uh, who did you say is playing the uh, the Ruffin? Ruffin. Yeah, I yeah. don't think those guys are that great. 
I think that if the Ticats with their – now, I know the wide side receiver that's going to be going up against Ento is going to be Osikusi, so I don't expect much there. But that that field side, the Omar Bayless or whether it's Tim White or whether it's Terry Godwin who's more likely to be there, I think those guys could have a matchup uh, advantage there going up against uh, Ruffin. Who I, I, I think they're good. I don't think they're great. Uh, I think Hamilton – if it wasn't for the rookie situation, I think I'd side with the Ticats. But yeah, I'm with you. I think the Alouettes have the have the advantage in the secondary. But I do think that there's some matchups that can be exploited there. Okay, let's go to the offensive side of the ball and start with the offensive line. The Hamilton Tiger Cats will line up as such at left tackle, Jordan Murray. At left guard, Brandon Revenberg. At center, David Beard. At right guard, Wood Manzi, and at right tackle, Riley. Uh, I know that I'm pretty happy with this unit, Josh, and I think that they, they're going to do a, a pretty good job. I know that, you know, Figueroa, it would be nice to have him in the lineup, but he just hasn't been, been able to stay healthy. And I like um, what they've been doing here with, you know, with the left tackle and the right tackle. I think they've been pretty strong, minus uh, some penalties in the early games where Jordan Murdy came back to the team. But Otherwise, I think it's a pretty formidable unit. How are you feeling? Yeah, I, I don't have any issues with the offensive line. Chris Van Zyl is going to be the sixth offensive lineman. So if one of the guys, especially if it's Tyrone Riley struggles, you can always slide the veteran in there and, and he can kind of pick up. Like there, There's not a big drop off from Tyrone Riley to Chris Van Zyl. I know they don't want Van Zyl playing a bunch because of his age and injury history, but if he has to, he can go in there and make, make something happen. So no, I think the Ticats have a fairly decent offensive line. You're going to get into the Alouettes' offensive line in a second, obviously. I, the Owls, I think, have improved over the over the season. They were horrendous mm-hmm. to start the year. They've gotten better. But, as I said, they are dinged up a little bit, so we can get into that now. Yeah, so the starting lineup for the Alouettes along the offensive line, at left tackle, Callender, at guard, Gagnon, at center, Lawrence, uh, at guard, Matei, and at uh, right tackle, McGluster, Mick Oster. Um, so yeah, some names along that offensive line that I'm not really familiar with. So, uh, yeah, I probably have to give the advantage to the Ticats in this one. How are you feeling? Yeah, I think the Ticats have the, it, it just based on continuity, like you're going into a playoff game. Cause the name you didn't mention there is Pierre Olivier Lestage, who mm-hmm. is going to miss this game with a knee injury. And I think that that's a pretty big loss, significant loss. Philippe Gagnon is a good tackle or good uh, guard, I should say, but I, he's not up to the, up to the standard of Lestage. So that's a pretty significant loss there, which means guys like Casey Sales, Dylan Wynn, Mohamed Diallo, Ted Laurent, there's there's some opportunities there up the middle of the, that uh, that offensive line to make some make some moves there. And it's going to cause some issues in the run game, I think. Uh, the Alouettes like to run it up the gut. They like to run inside. They like to use a power running game with, with William Stanback. So I think – Lestage not being there is a is a big advantage for the Ticats. So yeah, I will based not solely on continuity, but definitely a lot on continuity. I'll give the Ticats the edge in this one. So the running backs and fullbacks for the Tiger Cats, they are, are starting James Butler. Um, Sean Thomas Erlington will back him up. And then the fullback position, they have Oche and Feltmate as his backup. Uh, how do you feel about James Butler going to this game? A stellar season for him. Uh, a pretty valuable uh, member of this team, no? 
Yeah, we'll get into it more when we talk kind of like the overall picture of the game. I don't want to kind of tread on the same stuff multiple times, but I think this could be a big game Butler game. And I think it for the Ticats to win, especially given what we're going to talk about at the quarterback position, I think it kind of has to be a big James Butler game. So very, very happy with him. I think the Ticats at those positions, you're going to mention the Owls in a second. I think they had the advantage there. That's not a knock on what they have. I just think James Butler's been that good. Like he's in the conversation. I don't think he is it, but he's in the conversation as the best running back in, in the CFL. So you have that. The Owls don't. You got to give the advantage to the Tabbies. And I feel as though even in a meaningless game last week, Sean Thomas Erlington showed that he can yeah. be a very effective running back as well. So a pretty good one-two punch for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, with the Montreal Alouettes, they have William Stanback. Antwi will be his partner in the backfield. And then at fullback position, they have Tuck and Delare. Um, yeah, we already touched on it. I'm agreeing with you. I think that the Hamilton Tiger Cats have the advantage here. Stanback is obviously been one of the best running backs in the league uh you know years ago but he's fallen off the map pretty much you know a game here or there he can show that he can play well but not as good as he used to be so i'm gonna have to give the edge to the hamilton tiger cats in that one the one thing that alouettes fans could hang their hat on or the one thing that Cats fans could be worried about the standbacks best game this year came against hamilton yeah. like three yeah. of his five best games came against hamilton so they're while he is not the player he has been against the Ticats, he has turned it on this year. So that's the one thing where you're a little bit worried. But again, I, you couple that with the loss of Pierre-Olivier Lestage on the middle of the offensive line. Perhaps that changes the tone and tenor of this game from a rushing perspective. And of course, if the Ticats can get out to a big lead, the run game doesn't matter. So there, again, there's a lot of variables that are involved here. But I wouldn't, I'm not counting out William Stanback, but I just I, I hope that this is not a game that comes down to him because if he's a major factor in this, the Ticats have probably lost. The receivers now. We got on the boundary side, we have Terry Godwin at wide receiver. Uh, Tim White in the slot. We have Condre Smith on the field side. Omar Bayless uh, slot back on the field side as well. And at the on the wide side, we're starting O.C. Kusi uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, and then we'll just we'll go straight into the Alouettes here. On the boundary side, they have Sneed in the slot back, Mack at the wide receiver spot, Hardy at the slot back field, and Spiker on the on the slot back on the field side, and then Philpot on the wide side of the field in that wide receiver position on the field side. Um, who do you think is better in the in the receiver positions, Josh? This is tough because I think so. I think Austin Mack and Tim White kind of cancel each other out. I think they're both as good as the other, so to speak. Uh, Tyler Sneed has been really good this year. I think he's maybe slightly ahead of Terry Godwin. But then I look at Keandre Smith. I look at Omar Bayless. I think they're better than what the Alouettes have on that side of the field. Like Tyson Philpott's pretty good. This this feels very, very similar to me. Like these are two very similar teams when it comes to how they've made up their receiving core. I don't know if I would give the edge to either side here. I think it's a fairly even even matchup. Maybe I'm slightly going with the Ticats just because I'm a little bit more familiar with them. I feel as if maybe Terry Godwin has the opportunity to have a big game while you know someone like Keandre Smith and, and Tim White just have their regular games, but then Terry Godwin goes off. I don't know outside of Austin Mack if I see anyone in that receiving court for Montreal doing a whole heck of a lot. I think, But I, again, I think it's fairly evenly matched, but I'll go slightly, slightly, slightly with the Ticats in this one. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's very evenly matched, but I'm going to go a little bit opposite. I'm going to say it's slightly in the advantage of the Montreal Alouettes, but but obviously not by much. 
Uh, okay, so let's get into the quarterback position. A very interesting talking point this week for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. If I if I would have told you when this matchup was set that the quarterbacking matchup would be Cody Fajardo, you probably expect that versus Matthew mm-hmm. Schilt, you would have said I'm out of my mind. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you would you would asked did Bo get hurt again? You would have yeah. asked did Taylor Pat like you would not have expected this to be the QB matchup for this one at all. No, but I think that Schiltz has been the best quarterback down the stretch here. Obviously, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell has had a tough ride for most of the season. He's shown some good things late in the late in the regular season as well. But I think it's a smart decision to go with Schiltz. But let, let, let's talk about it. Schiltz versus Fajardo. If you were drafting a team, uh, who, whose quarterback are you picking? Oh. That's tough because this is Matthew Schultz's first ever playoff start. So he doesn't have, and last year he came in in relief at Dane Evans, didn't really do all that much. So there's not a lot of film there. Cody Fajardo has been a little hit or miss in the playoffs. Like I pulled up his numbers knowing we were going to talk about this today. Yeah. He started three games. His team has lost the last two or he's lost two of the, two of those three, I should say. Throw two touchdowns and five interceptions in those three games. He has one game over 300 yards, one game under 200 yards. Completion percentage has been anywhere from 65 to 70%. It's not as if he has this exceptional resume. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's a proven playoff performer or even, even in defeat. It's like, oh, well, you know, like, I mean, his losses, like he lost in the West final in 2021 to the Bombers. And that might've been his best game. Because the week before in the West Semi, they won, but he turned the ball over four times and had four interceptions. And even in that West Final in 21, it was the Bombers had like six turnovers and the Riders couldn't take advantage of it. I think I'd go with Fajardo just simply based on he's been there before, but I don't know if that's damning with fate praise or it's just I'm just unsure of Matthew Schiltz. This is a really interesting – what these two teams decide to do offensively to me is going to is going to be very, very interesting. I think we know what Montreal is going to want to do. But with Schultz, it's kind of this wild card now where we haven't we, – we've seen him in the offense, so we kind of know. But have we really seen him at full strength operating Milanovic's offense? Not really. It's a very interesting matchup. Putting me on the spot, though, I think just based on the experience factor, I'd go with Fajardo, but – I don't know. I, I feel I'm I'm antsy for both sides with this QB matchup because I just don't know what to expect. Yeah, it's definitely new territory for Schultz coming in, starting a playoff game. And Fajardo has more experience in that uh, in that category. But like you said, you know, he hasn't been lights out in the playoffs or anything like that. So I'm going to give this a wash. I think it's pretty even. Uh, I think Schultz is going to perform well today. I'm, I'm hoping so anyways. Uh but yeah, let's get into the special teams, and then we'll be done with the depth charts. Uh, kicker for the Tie Cats, Legio. He's been great all season long. He'll be doing the place kicking today. Punter Vedvik, and kick returner, punt returner Tyler McAllister. And for the Alouettes today, Cote will be the kicker. Zemo will be the punter, uh, and Letcher will be the returner for them. Uh, who has the advantage in special teams? You think? Return man is definitely the tie cats. Um, If it was Chandler worthy, I might not feel as, as comfortable with that, but I think with it, with it being lecture, I I do feel more, I know we had a return touchdown last week, but I don't, the tie cats allowed two return touchdowns all year. So I don't expect that to be a a frequent occurrence. I don't expect it to happen today. 
kicker and punter, though, I got to go with the Owls. Like, David Cote has been better than Mark Leggio, and Joseph Zima has arguably been, despite the fact that he wasn't named an all-star, has been the best punter in the CFL this year. His numbers are outstanding. Coverage units, we I know you didn't bring them up because we don't really have a depth chart for coverage units, but I give that edge to the Ticats just because of Carthel Flowers-Lloyd being the mm-hmm. best special teams player in the entire CFL in 2023. So I think that neutralizes the Alouettes' return game as well. So I think that's why I give the Ticats the advantage at the return spot. But kicker, punter, got to go with the Alouettes there. I know Legio's been good, but I think I trust Cote a little bit more. And I don't think Vedvik's been all that great since taking over Bailey Flint after Flint left following, I think it was the first bye week of the season, and just never came back to Hamilton. Uh, but whereas Zima is, like I said, arguably the best punter in the CFL in, in, in 2023. So two out of three go to the Alouettes. I guess I got to go with the Alouettes. Although I guess it's two. I guess it's split because it's two out of four. Because if you put the return, you get the coverage units in there as well. The Ticats have the big advantage there. So yeah. again, if it comes down to a kick at the end of the game, though, I don't know about you. I think I'm a little more comfortable if I had David Cote than Mark Leggio. We've seen Leggio kind of not perform up to his greatest in those situations when he was yeah. with Winnipeg. So if it comes down to a field goal to, to, to ice this game or to win this game, I think I like Montreal's chances better than Hamilton's, as sad as that is to say. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because Leggio has had such a great year kicking field goals, but he just has that hanging over his head, right? It's like, can he pull through when it really matters, when the kick really matters? And I'm worried about that as well. So I'm in total agreement with, with you on the uh, on who has the advantages. In well, the and the thing is, the thing with that too is like we don't know if he can do it until he does it. And if he does it, yep. it's like okay, well now it's, you know what I mean. Like it's it, it's not one of those things where I'm like Mark Leggio can't do it. It's we haven't seen Mark Leggio do it. So until you do, there's going to be some skepticism there. All right, let's get into the coaching staffs. Uh, the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats is Orlando Steinhauer. The head coach of the Montreal Alouettes is Jason Moss. Who you taking? <sighs> I know I'm a bigger Moss fan than most. I think. Yeah, me too. A lot of people kind. Of, I, I think we just when we did our like coaches like power rankings or whatever at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were like, "Oh, Jason Moss," because of what happened in in Edmonton, how that kind of fizzled out, and because it didn't work in Saskatchewan as the offensive coordinator. I think people kind of forget how like. They went to the conference finals, the division finals in Edmonton, three or four years that Moss was in charge. So it's not as if the guy can't coach. And with Steinhauer, I mean, he's been to the playoffs every year as a head coach, so you can't discount that. I think this is kind of a wash. I mean, Steinhauer does have a Coach of the Year award that Moss doesn't, so I guess you side with Steinhauer. But he's made some decisions, as if you follow along with the show all year, you know that Mike and I don't agree with. So – Again, we don't cover the Alouettes as thoroughly as we do the Ticats, so we there's more flaws that we can pick at with Hamilton because we know it more intimately. But I don't know. I'd say it, it's probably a wash. Maybe I'd go with Orlando just because of the familiarity factor with it. I don't think that this is – this is not some sort of, like, gigantic coaching mismatch. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you see these games and you're like, okay, how is this guy supposed to beat this guy? And then they don't. And you're like, oh, well, we should have seen that coming because that coach is not as good as – it. This to me is pretty evenly evenly matched between these two coaches. So I'll call it a wash, but I guess I'll give Coach O the benefit of the doubt, seeing as he's we've seen him win plenty of playoff games before. We've seen him take a team to a couple of great cups. So I guess he's my vote of confidence ever so slightly. Yeah, I'm with you uh, slightly by with Orlando just because he's been to championship games. Now he hasn't pulled it off, hasn't won the big game yet, but he's gotten further than Jason Moss. But I'm also with you in the fact that I think Jason is a bit underrated as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
you know, he had that, you know, those temper problems in Edmonton. He was freaking out on the sidelines. I think he's fixed that. I haven't seen any crazy outbursts for him. Now, obviously, he's going to get mad every once in a while. Head coaches, that's just a thing that happens. But he's not, you know, beating up Gatorade bottles or anything like that on the sidelines. So I think he's he's taking do it think, down a notch. Yep. Do, do you think Edmonton regrets firing him, considering where they've been since he's left? Bottom of the barrel, last place mm-hmm. every year when he was there. Yeah, they they regressed every season in the win tally, but they made the playoffs every year. Like I said, they in his four years as head coach, they made I think it was two West Finals and an East Final. I, would they not take that now? Like I know that they, you know, Chris Jones is Chris Jones yeah. that, but I mean, Jason Moss took what was considered a like. I mean, Jason Moss leaves after the twenty ninth, gets fired after twenty nineteen season. I know the twenty twenty season doesn't happen and all that stuff, but they come back in twenty twenty one with Jamie Elizondo and are horrendous and have been bad ever since. So maybe it was kind of like, be careful what you wish for. Like they all wanted Moss out of there because of the sideline outburst, because of, I think that they, I think if you were to, you know, shoot up a bunch of Elks fans with sodium pentothal and say, do you want, would you rather have Jason Moss and what he accomplished in four years versus what you've seen these last three years? I bet you to a man and a woman, a hundred percent of them would say, absolutely. They were relevant with Moss. They've been irrelevant for the last three seasons. Maybe it wasn't all on him. Maybe he got the most out of that roster that anyone could have. Yeah, I, th- I think you might be right there. I think the Edmonton fans were spoiled over the years with uh, how their team has performed. You know, they've been a great team for a long time. Jason Moss was coaching there and they didn't get over the hump, but they were very competitive. And like you said, they were in division finals and they were having winning records. So yeah, I think if they could go back in time, they might do things. Well, they they probably do a lot of things differently at Edmonton if they could go back in time, but that's neither here nor there. Let's get into the defensive coordinator positions. Mark Washington for the Hamilton Tiger Cats and Noel Thorpe for the Montreal Alouettes. Who you got? Is this a serious question? This is a coaching mismatch. Why can't I say mismatch today oh, yeah, for some right. reason? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a coaching mismatch. Noel Thorpe is one of the best defensive coordinators in the CFL. Uh, He has been for a very long time. Mark Washington has been, to borrow a phrase from our buddy Maxwell Jacob Friedman, he's been very mid, if Mm -hmm. if, almost his entire career. You you mind, and I know you can't, oh, if you take out the best, of course, everyone's going to look bad. You take out the 2019 season, and the Ticats defense has not been great with him in charge. You look at his BC Lions defense from when, and, I, and years ago when this happened, this was your complaint. It was like the defense have been middle of the pack, and then he comes in and they explode, and it's like, okay, well, we can't really question it after that. But since then, it's been a lot of mid-tier, middle of the road, you know, six to eighth, fourth to seventh type where the Ticats fit in the, the stat statistics defensively. Hasn't been an elite defense. They they used to be an elite run defense. That went away this year. Noel Thorpe, he, I mean, he calls the game like he, he likes to blitz a lot. He likes to bring pressure. He likes to play man-to-man defense. That's what they do in Montreal, and it's been incredibly successful his two years there, and he's been an incredibly successful defensive coordinator pretty much everywhere he's gone. So without question, I'm taking Noel Thorpe in this one and not even thinking twice. Yeah, you, you stole all the words out of my mouth. I totally agree with everything <laughs> you just said. Uh, so let's go on to the offensive coordinators for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Mr. Scott Milanovic, and for the Montreal Alouettes, Anthony Calvio. I think this is a pretty obvious one too. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is kind of teacher versus student, isn't it? Yep, like, yep. Calvio learned the ropes. I mean, Calvio's best seasons 
came under the Tressman Milanovic coaching tree. So, no, I'm going to go Scott Milanovic in this one. Anthony Calvillo might one day become a phenomenal offensive coordinator. I also kind of quite like, yes, he's the offensive coordinator, but Jason Moss has the offensive background. You know that he's got a lot of a lot of say in what they run. And I think Jason Moss is an excellent offensive coordinator. The last couple of years in Saskatchewan be damned. I think uh, he was the OC in Ottawa when they were rolling as an offense under Henry Burris. So I like the I like Moss as a as a play caller. But if it's if it's truly Calvillo, I'm going with Milanovic. I mean, look what he's done with this Ticats offense. They've scored four, almost five more points per game. And I remember on the pod, I said on the pod this week, like might not feel significant, but considering where this offense was under Tommy Condell to where they've now gotten it under Scott Milanovic, their offense over a full year would have been top of the top half of the league. So this, this is a much better offense with Milanovic calling plays. And I think given some of the limitations that we see in Montreal, so like their offense hasn't been great. They don't score a ton of touchdowns. Like they kick a lot of field goals. Like this is not a, an it, they've won a lot of games, but they won a lot of games against a lot of bad teams and they haven't, really done much offensively speaking to like really wow you so yeah i'm going to go with milanovic in this one as 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 giving the head and shoulders better chance for the ticats offense to put something together than i think montreal's can yeah hamilton has the advantage in this one and our last coaching talking point will be the special teams coordinator from hamilton it's jeff reinbold and from montreal we have byron archambault I well, Archambault kind of learned under Reinbold's tree too. He was a player here with the Ticats for a couple of seasons before injuries derailed his career. Took over for Reinbold in Montreal when Reinbold had to abruptly leave that post after the. I think he was going to be there in 2022, and then uh, for reasons that have never been made clear, couldn't make it up to Canada to coach that year. Came back to the Ticats this year when Craig Butler look. We've seen a lot of trick plays out of the Alouettes. The uh, and I know it's offensively speaking, but it's kind of special teamsy with that like pooch punt little thing that they do. Jeff Reinbold's the master of this. You can have a lot of criticism about Reinbold as a defensive coordinator, where he wasn't very good, and especially as a head coach, where he wasn't very good in Winnipeg twenty some odd years ago. As a special teams coordinator, he's amongst the best. You know, there's something they've been practicing all year, and I've seen some trickeration, if you will performed during practices that I have not seen in a game yet. So there's something up old Reinbold's tattooed sleeve there that he's going to try to pull out in a big game. I wouldn't be surprised if that big game is today. So yeah, I'm going to go with the guy who's been doing it for 30 plus years versus the guy that's been doing it for a year and a half. So give me Reinbold in that one. Yeah. Reinbold all day, Reinbold all day. So it seems to me that the Ticats have a slight edge in the coaching category. Yeah, and again, it's it's very slight because I think the head coaching yeah. thing is is very even. I think offensively, the Ticats have the bigger bigger advantage. Defensively, though, I the Owls do, and then special teams is is an advantage. So yeah, I would say they do, but again, slightly to to me, it's not coach is not going to. I don't if either coaching staff or the coaches is why one of these teams loses the game, then something's gone horribly wrong for both sides. You know what I mean? So. We'll we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I do. Th- I think the again, it feels weird to say if you look at kind of like the you know fifty thousand foot view, and you're kind of looking at the whole thing. You look at the Ticats roster and coaching staff, and you wonder how did this team only go eight and ten? Like, so mm-hmm. there's some there's some issues there that are obviously systemic. And then you look at Montreal and you go, well, they finished eleven and seven, never beat any of the big dogs. Ticats did beat a couple of the big dogs, beat Bombers and they beat the Lions this year. Alouettes beat up on teams under five hundred, so. 
kind of rubber meets the road in this one. Something, something's got to give. Is this finally the Ticats getting over the hump? Is it the Alouettes continuing to beat up on bad teams? I guess we'll know in about uh, two and a half hours when this game kicks off. All right, let's play a little game here. We're going to pick two players from defense, two players from offense, and one special teams player who will make a huge impact in this game. A, a little predictions for you. Um, who are your two players from defense, Josh? I think Jameer Thurman is going to – if this if the Ticats are going to win this game defensively, I think Jameer Thurman's got to make a couple big plays. I think there could be a forced fumble or an interception from him in this game. He's known as kind of a big play guy in that scenario. I think he's got three or four interceptions this year, uh, a couple forced fumbles, so I, I expect him to do something big there. And my other one is a little bit of a wild card. I'm going to go with George Jr. I think given that he has been – we remember the first game of the season where he got abused by Winnipeg. And then since that point, haven't talked about him a lot. And that's for good reason. He's been solid, both as the boundary side corner and now as the boundary half. I think those two guys, like we can talk about your Dylan wins. We can talk about your pass rushers. Like I do, I, I'm sure you're going to bring up some, maybe a Jagarit Davis as a guy who come playoff time likes to, likes to really put a, his stamp on things. I'm going to go with uh, Thurman just because I think he's got a chance to make a play. And I think Kenneth Short Jr. is going to have – there's going to be something in this game where it's going to come down to him making a play, and I think he's going to make it. Yeah, I'm going with a couple vets, uh, a couple guys that have been there before, and I think they're going to rise to the occasion. I'm going with Simone Lawrence to make mm-hmm. some kind of impactful play on this game, whether it be a sack and a forced fumble or you know an interception off a tip pass or something like that. Simone seems to come up big in big games, and I expect it from him today, especially how he's been playing down the stretch here. And you stole, yeah, are you inside my brain? Jagarid Davis <laughs> is my other pick because I just feel like he's underperformed all year long, and you can blame that on his injury. That's probably a, a valid excuse. Um, but this is a guy that kind of shows up when it really matters as well. Hoping he's going to be able to get pressure off those edges because we're going to need that getting pressure on Cody Fajardo today. So my two picks are Simone Lawrence and Jagarit Davis. Who do you have on offense, my friend? What's your, just to put a bow on that, when you think of Jagarit Davis, Ticats playoffs, what's the one play that stands out to you? I put me on a spot here, but uh, God. Can I give you, can I give you mine? Because I think it might be yours if you hear it. Yeah. When he went out in pass coverage in the East Final in 2021 against the Argos and knocked out the yeah, pass, why yeah. is this 260-pound man running downfield with a with a? I think it was a running back. I think it was. Whoever. I can see it in my head now. The him yep. chasing down. Yep, absolutely. And then knocking the pass down. And it was it was that yeah. play where you're like, oh, they're going to win this game. Like yeah. he's on his horse. He's doing this. They're going to win that game. It's not a sack. It's not a forced fumble. It's not mm-hmm. a big stop on a third and short. It's that, and that's the type of thing that you get from him. And again, I've been majorly critical of Jagger Davis all season, but this is why you pay him to come in because it's playoff time. The man gets to Grey Cups. He's got he, this is the task he's had ahead of him to get to a Grey Cup. He's never been the three seed and gotten all the way before. So I guess we'll see if if his streak withstands the uh, something's got to give. Either Jagger Davis makes the Grey Cup, or the curse of the third seed in the East continues for a fifty fourth year. But yeah, those are I, I just I just think of that play when I think of Jagarit Davis in, in the playoffs for the Ty Cats. So uh, offensively speaking, I think James Butler's got to have a big game. I think this is going to be. I don't think they're just going to run, run, run the ball, but I do think that he's going to be a guy that's going to have to make 
some plays in the run game. I think the Ticats, given what they've now decided to do at quarterback, I think they're trying to shorten this game by running the ball and eating clock. And I think James Butler will be a big part of that. And I, you want to say an offensive lineman just because of, of what you, they, they don't get as enough publicity and what they mean to the team. But I'm going to go with a bit of an unknown here. I'm going to go Omar Bayless. I think given the Terry Godwin and especially the Tim White firepower this offense has, Bayless has flown under the radar. He's had a couple of good games with this team when he's gotten in there. He had, I think it was a two-touchdown game against the Riders. I really like him to come up, kind of similar to Kenneth Gore Jr., to come up in a key spot and make a big play, whether it's like a late in the game, it's a second and seven, they got to get a first down. They're down by one. they got to get a first down to keep the drive going, to keep their hopes alive, and Bayless comes up with a big catch. So those are my two. Jimmy, Jimmy, who I'm calling Playoff Jimmy, stealing that from James Butler, or Jimmy Butler from the Miami Heat. He goes by Playoff Jimmy, and they got the same name. So we got Playoff Jimmy. Ticats. I'm going Omar Bayless as kind of an under-the-radar dark horse guy to make a big play in this game to keep the Ticats' hopes alive late. I like it. I like it. Uh, we just need Jimmy to get a haircut like uh, like Jimmy and then... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. We, we, e- e- emo Jimmy from the... Yeah. Emo Jimmy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for me, I'm going with the obvious one, Matthew Schiltz. Uh, I think this is just a massive game for him, not just because he wants the Ticats to advance and, and get his team the win. And he would never admit this, but this is a huge game for his career. If he goes out there and he balls out, he performs, this could make his career. Exactly. He could, he's going to be a starter, whether that be with the Ticats or somebody else. So this is a massive, massive game for Matthew Schultz. And I think he's going to make a big impact, whether it be running the ball or throwing the ball. And I'm going to agree with you, Mr. James Butler. I think that he's going to, have to be at the top of his game, and I know he will be. He might not rack up the running yards, but that's fine. He'll do his part catching the ball in the backfield and pass blocking for Schiltz or, or whoever's in that quarterback position. So uh, I'm going to go with Matthew Schiltz and James Butler. I think if those guys perform well, we're probably going to win this game. Yep, I, I agree. And I think with Butler, it might, like you said, the numbers might not pop off the page, and the yards per carry probably won't be exceedingly high. But there's going to be a situation this game. It's going to be second and three, and he's going to need to get those yards, and he's going to go out and get them. That's why I think it's going to be it could be an ugly one today. I, you know, you hear the term rock fight thrown around a lot when it comes to kind of these like ugly, low-scoring defensive battles. I think we could be in for that today. And in games like that, I like the guy who has to pound the rock. And while Montreal has a good one, Hamilton has a better one. So, yeah, James Butler, no surprise that he's, he finds himself on both of our lists. Who's your impact guy on special teams? Well, I mean, it, it, special teams is such a nebulous thing. Like, I'm you want to say Tyreek McAllister because I do think if he can set up some big returns, get get the Ticats some good field position, I think that could swing this game. You want to say a guy like Mark Leggio, hopefully when it comes, there's there's some crunch time kicks he's got to make and he's going to make them. But I'm going with the best special teams player in the Canadian Football League this season. I'm going Cathal Flowers-Lloyd. I just think that there's going to be – he's going to be an absolute monster – he, I saw a quote from him this week. He was pissed off that they allowed a return touchdown last week, and I don't think he's going to allow that to happen again. I think he's going to be all over the field. I'm not going to say he's going to set like the single-game record for special teams tackles or anything like that, but he takes his job very seriously. He's the best in the world at it, at least the best in the Canadian football world, I should say, and I think he's going to make some impact plays. I, maybe there's a block punt. He had one of those in the first game of the season. Maybe it's a big downfield hit that forces a fumble, or maybe it's just him doing his job and making sure that the Alouettes don't break contain and make a big return. But I think Carthel Flowers-Lloyd is going to have a monster game on special teams. 
See, Josh, you have the more astute football picks. I'm, I'm just the dummy football fan. Uh, the quarterback. Uh, uh, Tyreek McAllister. Tyreek McAllister, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm going with McAllister to follow my, my dumb football fan logic. But I just feel like Tyreek, if he sets the offense up in good field position, it's going to be a massive help to this Hamilton Tiger Cat offense. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, I'm hoping that... You know, he has big returns and maybe even a touchdown return. That would be uh, helpful in a big way. Well, uh, is the thinking, is the thinking too, he kind of, he opened his account last week with the touchdown. So now like the levy is broken and now it's like, oh, okay, I can, like, because he had it before, but they got called back. And then he had another one that got called back and he's been caught a couple of times. Like, is this the one that because, okay, now he's got one, it's counted. He's going back to the same place, knows the field, no. like, is it is it one of those things like familiarity kind of breeds like okay mm-hmm. he's gonna have a he's gonna have another breakout today? Yeah, I, I think so. And it's just you know I think he's a big game player. I think he's gonna be yeah. highly highly motivated and he's gonna break one today. Maybe not for a touchdown, but he's gonna have some good returns. I can just feel it. All so right. I, sounds good. Is there any keys to the game from you? Do you have any factors that will play into a Hamilton Tiger Cat win? Uh, yeah, I think the biggest factor is going to be the turnover margin. If the Ticats protect the football and they create turnovers for the opposition, they'll win this football game. If they win the turnover margin, they will win this football game. If they can force Cody Fajardo into some quick throws, into some bad throws, if Matthew Schiltz and or Bo Levi Mitchell should he get in the game as we've been led to believe he might, although I'm less and less inclined to believe that as we we've gone on this week, um, if they can keep the ball out of the opposition hands and the Ticats can force some turnovers, they're going to win the football game. Yeah. And I'm going to go with, uh, you know, not allowing penalties, not taking penalties is yeah. a huge factor in this one. Um, protecting the quarterback will be massive. Uh, I think establishing the run will be huge to help out Matthew Schultz, who I have confidence but, but in. Mike, but Mike, ah. running backs and the running game doesn't matter. I know, right? We've been told that all year, yeah, and yet here yeah. we are. And who's up for most outstanding player? And in my opinion, should win most outstanding player? A yep, running Brandon. back. So, Oliveira, I mean, yep. the run game doesn't matter. You know, the numbers and the analytics and all the geniuses who are smarter than us tell us the run game doesn't matter. And yet here we are talking about it's it's playoff football, it's cold weather football, and what's the thing that everyone's talking about? Oh, we got the run game, the run game. Ah, it's, I, I, it's, I, 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 and you think about it with the Toronto Argonauts, you know, the the, the best team in the league this year. They have a one-two punch at running back, and it's, you know, you can say what you want about Andrew Harris, but when he's fully healthy and you have A.J. Olet in front of him and you can rotate in those guys, I mean, that's devastating, is it not? And 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 you look at the Argos receivers. Does any one of those guys, like, I, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, 16-win season, all the credit in the world. Is there a receiver in that receiving court that really terrifies you? Like, they don't have a Eugene Lewis or, or an Austin Mack or – a Tim White or a Dalton Schoen or a Kenny yeah. Lawler. They've been doing or, it by committee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, which, to, which tells you how good that team is, like how deep that team is. Right. That's a credit to them that they've, they've built a roster like that. And, you know, every team in the league, all the other eight teams would love to have that. But they – so they're an offensive juggernaut without a star receiver with a quarterback whose numbers were good. But, they, like, if you look at Chad Kelly's touchdown passes, like – Chad Kelly's MOP case is based on, okay, well, he only had, I think, 24 maybe touchdown passes. 
oh, but he had like nine rushing touchdowns. So again, the rushing factor plays in as well, and yet it's not supposed to matter. But I mean, it's neither here nor there. We're we're talking East semi, but that, I just I just think it's funny that it's we got to establish the run. And you've seen that from a lot of a lot of the smart quote unquote people. I know you say mm-hmm. you're used to football, dummy, but a lot of the smart quote unquote football people this week have said the same thing. Like the team that that wins kind of on the line of scrimmage and can be more physical is going to win the game. And you don't you don't a physical game doesn't mean you're slinging the ball fifty times. It means you're pounding it up the middle. So. It just it always kills me how everyone's kind of like d- disrespects certain things, and then when it comes to the crunch time of the year, it's like, oh well, you know, you got to give it to the you got to give it to the the old school mentality because it's playoff football and it's tough and it's cold and it just kills me yes. every year. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that, but I think that there, you know, those keys to the games that we mentioned are going to be huge. Uh, you know, the return game is going to be everything matters in the playoffs. Everything matters. Yeah. Anything, every play, every play. That's the beauty of it. Every play matters. You're going to be glued to your TV sets. Um, so let's get into the predictions. How do you think this game is going to play out today? Who's the winner? What's the score? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I told you off the top of this that I went for my, my walk this morning and it was about 90 minutes of me just walking around the, uh, the mountain brow here in Hamilton. Listening to music, but the beauty of listening to music when you go for a walk is you can kind of like it's it's background noise. You can kind of just be in your thoughts. And I I no lie, when I spent my entire walk, I was just I was thinking about this game. And I know all week, if you go and look at the picks on three down, if you go on onto our Patreon and listen to our gambling show, I picked the Alouettes to win this game. I picked the Tie Cats to cover the spread, but I picked the Alouettes to win this game. And then as I was walking around, it was a gloomy morning that turned into sunshine. On the mountain brow, went for my nine-kilometer walk this morning. Another, I went for nine point one nine kilometers. So a lot of nines in there, Randy. In nineteen ninety-nine, I just had this epiphany, and the epiphany was the Hamilton Tiger Cats twenty-three, the Montreal Alouettes nineteen. I think this is going to be a low-scoring, dirty, grimy. Way too many field goals, not enough touchdown games. And I think what's going to happen is it's going to be 19 to 16 for the Alouettes late in this one. And Matthew Schiltz, or Bo Levi Mitchell, I'll say Matthew Schiltz, but perhaps it's Bo. Bo. Bo would be a little bit fun. Guides this team down the field and they score a touchdown with under a minute left to take a 23 to 19 lead, forcing the Alouettes to not have to not be able to f- kick a field goal to tie. That's the important part here. Not be able to kick a field goal to tie. They run out of time. The tie cats get the ball back after a third down. Miss Q from the Alouettes, kneel it out to win the game and head to the East Final. So I'm going Tiger. I know I said all week Alouettes today. Maybe it's the atmosphere of being around in the city, or maybe it is just the pumped upness of being about two hours towards kickoff. But I've come to the conclusion that the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to win this game 23 to 19. Josh, going for long walks. Uh, congratulations, my friend, on all the weight loss. I Thank you. Uh, had no idea. I haven't seen a picture of you, or uh, I haven't seen you in, in, I don't, in a long I don't, time. I don't, po- I don't post many no, pictures, so that's no, why. No, neither do I. Neither do I. Um, I'm going to keep the negativity train rolling, as I like to do. Uh, I had the Alouettes earlier in the week, and I think it's going to come down to a field goal. I think the Alouettes win by three, 27 to 24. I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. And once the game gets rolling, I'll, uh, I'll have the, uh, you know, I'll believe I will, but I'm going to have to stick with what I said earlier in the week and roll with the Alouettes, unfortunately. 
Yeah, and I was I was prepared to do that, honestly. Like I like the split I, though. I like the split. One positive, one negative. Guess, and and I usually guess. when I when I predict something, I'm wrong. So so maybe there's some mind games in effect here. And you know what? I took a lot of heat this year. I did I did picks for Ty Cats games for three down all year. My record was not great. But in the last few weeks I have started to pick it up. I've been keeping yeah. track of my of my record. So I do I do straight up picks against the spread and I do a total of over under so three picks a week the last five weeks I'm 11 and four so I've gotten pretty good at figuring out what the Ticats are going to do my overall record though with picking them on the money line not great but that's neither here nor there I just I maybe I just got wrapped up in in being I, I saw a couple of ty, guys in tight guys and girls I should say in Ticats merch while I was out for my walk so I don't know it just it I, it was such a beautiful day. Like once the once the sun came out and the rain, I like was drizzling a little bit this morning, and that went away. And it was just, it was nice to be out. And it was a, it was, it was like it felt like playoff football. And I just don't think, I think I'd rather be wrong and pick the Thai Cats to win than be right and pick and the Alouettes win. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I guess maybe my credibility is a little bit on the line here. But we're look, th- this is the show for the fans by the fans. I can be the objective analysis the objective analyst when it comes to other mm-hmm. stuff. But for this, I want to be the voice of the fan. I want to think of like the fan. The fans want to hear us say the Ticats are going to win. I know you, but you're, you have to maintain your, your Mr. Negativity persona. And I like that. Right. And that's fine. And I, yes. I do, I don't, I'm not saying you don't believe that the Alouettes are going to win. And I think the Alouettes can win this game. I, the fact that we both have it, you know, I have it a four point game. You have a three point game. Just tell you how close we think this matchup is going to be. I just hope that that's the case. I hope regardless of the outcome, this isn't like last year where where it was like over by halftime like that that game just never felt like it was mm-hmm. yeah like the uh, going back to kind of talking about like things that'll matter we know the Ticats aren't going to start off hot they never do they need to keep this game close though like this needs to be no more than a seven point game at halftime in, in Montreal's favor for me to think that this game's going to be in the balance in the second half you know what I mean like if this is a three-point game if this is like if it's nine to seven or if it's you know ten to six end of the first quarter or end of the half, like then you're going to feel like, okay, th- th- it's, it's still a possibility that I think that's the biggest takeaway from this is they got to keep it close. We know they're not going to start hot. We probably know they're not going to come out of the halftime hot. So if they can manage this game, I, I think us both thinking that it's going to be close is, is part of the reason for that. I think we just think that both these teams are fairly evenly matched despite their records. And it, it should be a fun playoff game. As long as it's not a blowout, I think we'll enjoy ourselves and, Unfortunately, if they lose, we have to come back later today and and discuss it. But uh, hopefully that's not the case. And we're talking about a win. Yeah. How sweet would it be to beat the Alouettes and have the chance to go into Toronto and knock off the 16 and two Argonauts? Now, how far fetched that would actually be? I think it would just be fun to have the chance to do it. Right. It would be hilarious beating out a Toronto Argonauts team. Uh, with an eight and ten team. Well, uh, how many how many people back in '89 thought when the Riders at nine and nine went into mm-hmm. Commonwealth to play Edmonton, who were sixteen and two, and you're thinking, oh well, Edmonton's going to smash them. That is not what happened. And I should say, and this is the interesting thing. Now it's changed over time, but currently, every in all the five major leagues, uh, baseball, hockey, the NFL, and the NBA, and the CFL. The team that had most regular season wins in a season did not win the championship that year. It was uh, the Cubs and the Mariners. I think both won like 115 games, didn't win the championship that year. The Golden State Warriors in the NBA, 73 wins, lost in the NBA Finals. Edmonton, obviously we know, did not even make the Grey Cup. In the NHL, I think it was a Detroit Red Wings team. It might have even been Tampa Bay recently 
that that one um 60 something games or whatever but did not win the Stanley Cup and then in the NFL it's the 16 and New England Patriots they steamrolled everyone going to the Super Bowl and get beat by a and in football especially the beauty of this sport the reason I think we love it so much it's one game and anything can happen so yes the odds are stacked against us this week the odds will be even more stacked against us next week Crazier things have happened. That that makes sports fun. It makes it the ultimate reality show. It makes it so much exciting to watch. It's why we we come back year after year, day day after day, game after game. Even though it's for the past twenty some odd seasons now, this team has broken our hearts and not been able to get over the hump. But we come back because there's always that hope that it can happen. So I know the hope kills you, but hey, what's what's life with a little bit of hope and fun? On that, now I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. We will be back after the game for the post-game show, so I hope you join us. Probably 10 to 15 minutes after the game ends. I hope you can join us then. Uh, thanks for everyone for for listening to us ramble about the, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.